Yeah, there were a <laughs> lot of evolutions, definitely to have a baby ready. But I mean, that was also kind of a cool aspect of it because you, you just remind yourself that, you know, for what you need, you built it. You can just rip it back out and completely reno it. The road to tiny house living can sometimes be bumpy, but my guests today, Justin and Juby, show us that a life of adventure is possible when living tiny, even with a child. Justin and Juby did a great school bus conversion and have been sharing their adventure on Instagram and YouTube for a few years now. I've heard about them from members of Tiny House Engage, as well as from some previous guests on the show, so I knew I had to have them in for an interview. And they don't disappoint. In this interview, we talk about the nitty-gritty of what it's like to live in a bus, including what it takes to kind of set up the bus when you arrive somewhere and break it down so that you can travel again, mistakes and issues that they've had along the way, and how they manage their businesses from the road, because these are two entrepreneurs who are living tiny uh, with a child and from the road. I hope you stick around. I want to tell you about something that I think will be super helpful as you plan, design, and build your tiny house. Tiny House Decisions is the guide that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. It comes in three different packages to help you on your unique tiny house journey. And if you're struggling to just figure out the systems for your tiny house, you know, like how you're going to heat it, how you're going to plumb it, you know, what construction technique are you going to use, like sips or stick framing or steel framing, tiny house decisions will take you through all these processes systematically and help you come up with a design that works for you. Right now, I'm offering 20% off any package of tiny house decisions. For listeners of the show, you can head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD to learn more and use the coupon code TINY at checkout for 20% off any package. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD and use the coupon code TINY for 20% off. I am here with Justin and Juby. Justin, Juby, and Azalea are a family of three traveling around the world full time whilst documenting their journey on YouTube. In 2017, they started building out a school bus into their full time home and just a year later had a baby. Join them for the adventure. For the next few years, they worked towards quitting the nine to five and in 2019 finally hit the road with their bus called Red Peppa. Their hope is to share and inspire their audience to seize the day and know that all dreams can be manifested into reality. Justin and Juby, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be here and to talk with you more about, I guess, our travels and bus life and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, you're welcome. I was hoping you could kind of expand on the story of, you know, just deciding that bus life is is what you wanted like how did you decide on a bus versus you know a tiny house on wheels a traditional tiny house on wheels or a van yeah i think that genesis kind of started with you yeah yeah so i guess back in like 2013 i started a business that i no longer have right now but 
it was called Moonflower Child and it was a wandering boutique where it evolved into a wandering boutique where I bought a short school bus and converted it into a store and started traveling up and down the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing those trips on my own and it was a lot of fun, but we decided that there was some sort of adventure there that we were kind of hoping to explore together. And so we decided after a lot of conversation, because we had actually talked about living in a tiny house, in a yurt, um, in a cob house, a cob like everything house. you could yeah. think of that was tiny. Uh, we sort of landed on bus life and buying a school bus. I guess it just seemed like the right fit for the time living tiny and being able to like move it easily because those tiny houses on wheels that are on trailers are sort of on trailers to get around all the legalities of being so tiny, but not necessarily made for traveling as much as we had intended to. So, yeah. Well, there's also like that one turning point with the event in downtown Raleigh too. Yeah. She was um, vending a local event and it was really cool. It was right in the downtown of Raleigh. And so I went to help her out and we just decided to like hit the town and then go and sleep in the bus because she had to do the event the next day too. And I remember we had so much fun that evening. And when we woke up the next day, we just like looked out the window, saw the city. We had access just to like go wherever we wanted to before her event. And I think it just kind of hit us. And we were like, wow, this is cool. Yeah, epic. <laughs> like, what if we did this on a regular basis? And that's kind of that that's kind of was the trigger to help us say, you know, let's let's move forward. Let's do another bus and let's see what this bus life thing is all about. That's awesome. So it was it was through experience of just like having that feeling in the bus, realizing that it, that it could work for you. Yeah. So it it sounds like it took you a couple of years to go from maybe from that dream or that realization to actually having a bus that you could live and travel in. It felt like decades. Yeah. That that year that we bought the bus though. Yeah. 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 True. We pulled the trigger fast. I mean, um, yeah, we found a bus like right after we got married and started working on it a little bit like later that year. Cause we got married in July and then bought the bus in August and then started working in like November. And then we were going to move to Atlanta and things kind of fell through and we ended up moving to a tiny house community form kind of south of where we were living at the time in Chapel Hill in North Carolina. And yeah, we didn't work on the bus for a hot minute until like the new year came. And that's when we also found out that I was pregnant. All kinds of things kind of started unraveling and we were like, okay, we need to build this bus quick. So we moved into the bus in August that next year, but didn't really start traveling with it until like a couple of years later. Yeah, throughout the process, there was a lot of life that happened along the way. Right. I mean, there was a lot of transition that had to be made. You know, we were living in a house that we rented in Durham, North Carolina for, I I forget how long, three years. And so there was the process of like downsizing and then there was the process of building the bus. And I think another, there was also the process of like work and being able to like sustain ourselves and cover the bills. That was kind of another inspiration point for going over to bus life too we we were working so much trying to build our own thing and trying to you know at the time i was with a startup so i was working crazy hours trying to build somebody else's dream and so yeah there was just a it was a lot i've seen a lot of people go and do the process a lot faster than we did mm-hmm. but for us you know with everything that we're balancing and then bringing our first child in to it was a lot but we we made it yeah how did you know 
that it was time to kind of hit the road? I don't think there was a definitive moment where we were like, okay, we're deporting now for good. We kind of always had to come back to North Carolina for the longest time for Justin's beekeeping business, just because he didn't have people at the time working for him. And so we could only leave for so many times in the year or so many like months at a time. It was just because the beekeeping and the way beekeeping was structured, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was really a buildup, you know, like we, it was this slow transition. I remember our maiden voyage, we went to a local music festival called Shakori Hills and that was like our first trip and it was amazing. Yeah. We loved it. I remember we overheated on the way home. Oh yeah. That was super (laughs) stressful. Like breaking down for the first time and kind of like understanding the inner workings of like, you know, road troubles and having to navigate, just being cool with it. And, and trying to be fluid. And things and, go on. Yeah. Yeah. But then it was like, okay, well then let's take a week trip a little bit farther away. And then eventually we went all the way up to Vermont. Yeah. We did like an entire like fall slash winter trip. It was like a one month trip to Vermont though. Yeah. That, we went up. That was really way too fast. fast. And then it was <laughs> sorry. Winter. I missed you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah. Wish we could have stayed longer, but yeah, we we learned pretty quick or actually maybe not. Maybe it took longer than we thought to like learn that traveling in the bus is better when you go slow, <laughs> which as they say is the motto, you know, driving in the slow lane or it's, live life in the slow it's lane. It's probably a no brainer, <laughs> but it took us a long time to figure out yeah. maybe because we were trying to squeeze so much in such a short period of time. Yeah. But then eventually we took a winter trip to Florida and stayed there for like two or three months. Mm -hmm. And then just this past year, we took it out West and Mm -hmm. that trip was epic. Yeah, absolutely epic. So yeah, no definitive moment where we like, let's go. It was like, like progressively gotten to be like longer stints of travel in the bus. It's just a buildup over time. Yeah. So when you say go slow, my first thought was, okay, just don't drive that fast. But (laughs) <laughs> you also try to not spend so many hours of the day actually driving like you try to dr- like drive less and like see the places more yeah i think there's a lot of things that play into the concept of going slow which you can't go fast in a bus anyway well <laughs> we're actually our governor so we can go a little oh, faster yeah. now <laughs> <laughs> We had a governor on the bus, which like maxed out the speed limit for the bus to actually be able to drive at 55 miles per hour. But for oh some gosh. reason on our trip west, it decided it was no longer going to be in use and yeah. we could drive faster than that if we wanted to. But I, I don't think Which is think like a we would... super speedy 65. Yeah. So watch out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think with the planning though, like, yes, absolutely. Over time, we realized how intense it was to try to go even just like four or five hours in a day mm-hmm. in a bus, break down, pack up, um, also, going slow. Getting gas. Too, yeah. you know, like she can only handle so much driving time in a day um, before she's so or crazy and need to get out the house and do stuff. Yeah. So for us, I think we realized like usually we put a cap on it for like three hours, maybe three, yeah, three four, four hours, hours is pushing it. Yeah. 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 But, but that's yeah. also like, in regular driving that's probably like a two three hour drive maybe um, but it makes things so much more enjoyable though you know we yeah. just like like you said we just plan on it taking longer to get somewhere but when we do short stints like that it's so much easier and we yeah we do have more time to like enjoy the area that we were in instead of just just breezing yeah. right through yeah got it so um can you tell me 
about Red Peppa, just kind of like how big of a bus, what kind of bus, like, yeah, give me some stats about about Red Peppa. Well, the the actual name came from the name of the paint color that we used. Like, uh, you know, they they come up with all these really interesting paint names. And the one that we chose was called Red Peppa. And so thus it was. That was the name of our bus. And um, it is a 1998 Bluebird TC2000. She's 33 foot. She's got a Cummins 5.9 liter engine. And she's just an absolute beauty. She's been great to us. We talk about the breakdowns, but ultimately, like, for the amount of miles that we put on and the things that we've done to her, she's done absolutely amazing i would say mm-hmm. yeah 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 and and it seems like the breakdowns are a part of of living in a bus i i have never interviewed someone living in a bus who hasn't kind of mentioned yeah the breakdowns so you know it sounds like you had your first breakdown on an on an early trip yeah i guess the the problem that we encountered on that one early trip is sort of like an ongoing problem and a problem that we're sort of learning to adapt and live with just because we've heard that it can be an issue with a lot of buses and that's just like you know growing pains of getting old together I guess so she (laughs) overheats and takes a little minute to cool down but she doesn't like going up big inclines and stuff like that yeah And we also tow our Jeep as well. So that can put a lot of pressure on the engine and also cause her to overheat a little bit faster. Um, So these are just things that we're like now aware of. And so whenever we're, you know, going through like the Rockies, we'll drive separately. We might have to take a couple of pit stops on the side of the road and just let her cool down. We'll like cook lunch, we'll do some work or whatever, and then get back on the road. Yeah, so we talk about going slow, we go even slower. Yeah, so you're you're going an SUV behind a 33 foot bus. Yeah, Yeah. it's yeah, it's pretty a pretty big rig when it's all put together. Mm -hmm. And is the is the Jeep on like a trailer or is it just on all four wheels hooked up with one of those things? I don't know what they're called. Yeah, the tow. Yeah, we thought we we used to have a Honda Civic. And I guess we could have towed that one, but we decided we wanted to get something that could go off-road. So we'd have the option to go places without the yep. bus and venture yep. a bit further. So we intentionally set out to find a vehicle that we could flat tow so we didn't have to deal with like the trailer and all that kind of stuff. Right, right. Yeah, and uh, the Jeep is black. So we figured it would make the most sense to call it Black Peppa. <laughs> so <laughs> we have- <laughs> which those black pepper yeah and um that probably puts us at maybe 43 foot yeah. um so it's wow. a beast drive but i will say though like having the ability to tow our vehicle behind us has been huge especially with azalea you know she's only going to be able to stand so much time in a baby seat and so having her in the bus when we travel we can travel for longer distances and like when you're staying in the middle of nowhere in the bus, you do not want to take the bus to the grocery store. Right. Like yeah. that would just suck. So having right. that little venture mobile is really awesome. Yeah. I, I thinking about it just now, I was kind of like, how do people do it if they don't have a vehicle? I guess bicycles, yeah. walking, um, it just probably limits how far out from town and from supplies you can, you can be. For sure. Some people have motorbikes and then some people, you know, just pack it up and ride into town and use their home as their vehicle. Yeah. But I mean, 
that makes more sense for smaller buses. Like if you have a short school bus, that's probably a little bit more manageable. But for us, like when we set up, we have things we put out on the counter. And like sometimes we work hard to get to the spot that we're parking at. So it can be kind of a nightmare to like go in and out with the bus. And we only want yeah. to do that when we arrive and when we leave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that being said, though, like it's a nice luxury to have, but it can yeah. be done. You know, yeah. there's plenty of people who don't they have do that it. secondary transportation and they get by just fine. For so, sure. you know, it just depends on what your priorities are, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was thinking, you know, with the with the prevalence now of, of inexpensive e-bikes, that could be a great, you know, a great way to do it. Oh yeah. Or even those um, electronic skateboards too. Yeah. The boosted boards. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much, how many groceries you'll carry home on those, but yeah, yeah, have a lot of fun, that's for sure. <laughs> really, really big book bag. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you, you knew you were pregnant or you, you basically built out the bus after you had Azalea. So you didn't have to modify it for a kid or, or am I wrong on that time timing? Um, <laughs> like in the middle. Yeah. So we were building the bus and then we found out I was pregnant. And so we sort of made, I mean, we knew she was obviously going to be a newborn for like the first six months to a year, you know, she's kind of still pretty small. So we didn't yeah. need like dedicated space for her so we kind of just went with the plan that we had originally set out to build yeah she had a like a hanging bassinet i macro made um and then she had that same bassinet like on the bed on the edge of the bed so that it wasn't unsafe for her as she got older mm -hmm. and then we actually made my closet <laughs> sounds so terrible <laughs> we made my closet into her bedroom and me and him were sharing a really small closet. And then she grew out of that and we extended the closet. And then she grew out of that. And we did a whole bedroom reno um, where we sort of like raised the bed and put her bed underneath. And she has a full size twin bed underneath our bed. So we kind of have like a bunk bed situation, which also gave us more room in the garage her storage gave her an entire like space to call her own. And then we have in a way a bit more privacy because we're sort of like above and she's below and it's more secluded, I guess. Like we have separate rooms in, in essence. Got so, it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So the trans a lot of evolution. Yeah. There were a lot <laughs> of evolutions definitely to have a baby ready. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that was also kind of a cool aspect of it because you, you just remind yourself that, you know, for what you need, you built it. You can just rip it back out and completely reno it to yeah. fit whatever is going on in your life too. Yeah. And that's what we did. And when you look at her bedroom today, I mean, she loves it. She has like this little awesome little cave with a bookshelf inside and like where she keeps her toys. And I mean, it's a pretty cool place for a kid to have a room. And it's also been cool for us. Juby's like the master of design. So she gets to dream up all these ideas that make sense for the space that we have for the bus and uh, make it just kind of fun. That's awesome. So you are in Tulum, Mexico right now. How long, how long have you been there and, and how long are you planning to stay there? We've been here for about two weeks now and the leave date is sort of like, I don't know, it keeps changing. It might be the end of January. It might be the end of February. Okay. We're going to be going back to North Carolina for his beekeeping season come March and April for a couple months. Uh -huh. And we decided to come down to Mexico without the bus. We needed sort of an escape. Bus life can be a bit taxing on just 
so many aspects of living a really happy, healthy life. If Mm -hmm. you get really worn out from travel and hygiene and managing, you know, Wi-Fi and all these things that come with the struggles of bus life in reality. So we wanted to stay put somewhere stationary, have long showers. We didn't have to worry about the water tank running out or anything like that. Have internet like endlessly so we can kind of get some work things done. Um, explore the beaches, get some good weather and adventure and see what sort of real estate might look like down here. Sure. We've been wanting to live potentially overseas where our money can go further and have that as sort of like an escape from, I don't know, from other things that we get into throughout the year and a place that we can kind of call home. So yeah, we're here for a bit, just adventuring and uh, enjoying the winter. That's awesome. And so did you drive the Jeep down or you you flew down and you're renting a place in, in Tulum? Yeah, we flew down. We actually left the bus and the Jeep in kind of the outskirts of Las Vegas, where we okay. sort of ended up after our trip west. So, yeah. Well, that's exciting. I think it's... Um, it's a bit smaller than a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's always... Um, it's nice to hear that because... Obviously, what we all put out on like Instagram is very like polished and it's like the it's the photo, you know, I've done a lot of of bicycle touring and it's like the photo that you post is at the top of the mountain with the great view. But like you don't post the photos of like riding your heavy bicycle for two hours up the mountain and like falling and skinning your knee and all those things. So it's like good to hear like, yeah, we needed a break from bus life and, you know, we wanted to stay put for a little while. but. Sometimes when you step away from something like that, you can appreciate it more. Yeah, for sure. I think it's been good for all of us. I think when we were, the idea of traveling in the bus is really magical and we love the concept. And I think it would be different if it was just the two of us. We'd be able to like travel somewhere, get our work done in the morning and then adventure all afternoon and get those Instagram photos, you know? But the reality for us is that we we have a kiddo who just turned three yesterday And so it means that like we each have to get work done still in the day and we still have to travel and we still obviously want to adventure and see the places. So we're trying to like one of us work in the morning while the other one's with Azalea and then we'll flip flop in the afternoon. And then, you know, it's just ends up being like a full day of work. And then when do we visit an adventure? It's sort of. Right. That's more of a chore. I feel like to get everyone out the door at the end of the day when we're all like so tired. So being here in Mexico is like, she's at school in the mornings. We're getting our things done in the morning. And then in the afternoon, we can go to the beach. We can go see some cenotes and spend time together as a family, which is what we set out to do when it came to bus life. So. Yeah. But I'm excited to just looking back at some of the video and pictures that we got from our final adventures in the bus three, four, five weeks ago. Looking back on it, it was just so magical and so beautiful. And it was mind blowing to see like, yeah, we were able to go to those places, park in those areas and adventure and do these hikes and see all this stuff because of the bus life. That was awesome. And I think this break from bus life is going to be really important for us so that we can go with just sort of a fresh, a new, fresh approach when we go back to the bus and see more of the West Coast and just kind of be ready for the next adventures that come with it, too. Yeah. Are you planning to make any changes to the bus or to how you how you travel in it? Always trying to make changes okay. to the bus as far as like renos and stuff on the inside. There's just a lot of things that we can never seem to get around to finishing that need to be updated and changed. Um, so, yeah, always 
And I feel like it's always maintenance too. Like you're always going to be working on something or changing something or fixing something or upgrading something too. So there's a lot of wear and tear on the road. (laughs) Yeah. That's like a forever thing, but, um, adventuring the west coast for sure i think we want to go up and down and we haven't been to oregon or seattle area what else i mean like northern california above san francisco i've never gone further than that so i'd love to see up there and we barely even scratched the surface there's so much left so much for sure so yeah and it seems like you also kind of have punctuated some travel in the bus with with international travel um to Iceland. Yeah, that that was sort of what kicked off our like we travel full time now uh-huh. life, I guess. Um we put together a partnership with uh Happy Campers, a van company in Iceland, and it was supposed to be a pit stop on the way to visit my family in the UK. So it was gonna be like a kind of quick and easy uh-huh. stopover from there. And because of COVID and the way things had kind of been shaping up, we ended up just going to Iceland and then coming back and seeing my family later in the year. But it was a really amazing trip. And it was like definitely it was cool a to cool try. experience yeah, for van yeah, life. It was, it was cool to try yeah, van life. Yeah, definitely. Um, it made me appreciate all the size we have in our humongous bus. Yeah, the bus um, felt big for sure. But at the same time, like it's just pros and cons to both sides. I mean, driving that thing around in Iceland. So easy. So easy. You could oh go anywhere. God. So easy to break down and yeah. then like build back up once you're mm-hmm. parking too. Not to mention the country in itself. Wow. Like the entire, the entire island is like a scene out of Lord of the Rings. It's just beautiful. Yeah. That's on, that's on my wife and I's bucket list for travel for sure. Yeah, Yeah. definitely would go. It's worth the visit, no doubt. And we were there for 10 days. It felt like not enough Mm. um, to see the country and everything that had to offer. But in reality, it was more than enough for what we could handle. It started to get cold and. With Azalea, um, again, things are a little bit harder. I feel like when you have a little one, and we definitely pushed it to the limit towards the end there. You got to admit, um, she was a trooper. Yeah, there she yeah for she ten days in a banner in Iceland. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd like to tell you a little bit more about Tiny House Decisions, my signature guide, and the resource that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. It starts with the big decisions, which is, you know, should you build a tiny house yourself or with help? Um, is a is a pre-built shell a good idea? Um, is a house on wheels better than on the ground and what works better for you? Um, deciding on the overall size, deciding on whether you should use custom plans or pre-made plans, different types of trailers and more. Uh, then in, the, in part two, we get into the system. So heat, water, showers, hot water, toilets, electrical, refrigeration, ventilation. And we're only two-thirds of the way through the book at this point. From systems, we go into construction decisions, talking about nails versus screws, sips versus stick framed versus advanced framing versus metal framing. Uh, We talk about how to construct a subfloor, sheathing, roofing materials, insulation, windows, flooring, kitchen. I know I'm just reading off the table of contents, but I just want to give you a sense of how comprehensive Tiny House Decisions is. Uh, It's a total of 170 pages. It contains tons of full-color drawings, diagrams, and resources, and it really is the guide that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. Right now, I'm offering 20% off any package of tiny house decisions using the coupon code TINY 
when you head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD. That's THD for Tiny House Decisions. Again, that's coupon code TINY when you check out at thetinyhouse.net slash THD. So you've mentioned, you've mentioned it a couple of times, and I, I want to ask you about the, the kind of the breakdown, pack up kind of routine. Like what, can you run through like the things that you have to do to set the bus up in a location and then what you have to do to kind of get it back onto the road? Yeah, it's a lot shorter than when we first started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely have found ways to kind of cut corners and yeah. keep things pre-packed where they belong, as opposed to like unpack and pack back up. Well, you could do the inside of the bus. I could do the outside. Yeah, that's generally how our system is. Is like I'm inside the bus doing all the kind of little things that are out on the kitchen counter, doing any dishes that may have been left out. We have a Berkey water filter. Um, so I used to put that in the sink. And then I actually gave away all my plants before we came to Mexico because I didn't know anyone in Vegas to take care of them. But I had a lot of little plants. So those would all go into the sink as well. The big ones would get moved off the front dash and into the back. We'd have to roll up the front window curtains and put the one curtain that covers the door that we go in and out of the bus, um, put our one back on the bed. What else do we do? Oh, like latch up all the cupboards and put a ratchet strap over the fridge. Yeah. Latch the fridge. Um, Yeah, yeah, the ratchet strap. It's hard to remember when we're not in the bus, you know, like in the bus, it's just like, I'm on It's obvious because you see it all. What yeah, to do. yeah, it's like think um, of it as like uh, batten down the hatches on yeah, the inside, yeah, basically. And then for like the outside, the engine mainly like checking the engine oil, transmission mm-hmm. fluid, and cut else? cut the propane, cut the propane, um, check the coolant, make, make sure, sure like the gray tank is plugged and it's not going to like leak everywhere when we head out. Yeah, um, um, and then there's like hooking up the jeep, yeah, putting the transmission in neutral, hooking up the tow bar. And then if we've like had to level, we've got chucks that we like scooch the bus forward, like maybe a foot or two and then collect the chucks, put those away, probably just do a walk around, make sure that the um, like doors on the outside of the bus are like closed properly. You know, when we Um, talk about it, it seems like a lot. Yeah. Close the table on the outside, make sure like curtains and um, curtains, rugs and chairs and anything that we've like had around the fire pit is all collected and put away in the garage. And then check, you know, underneath the wheels to make sure there's going to be nothing that's going to like pop the tires or anything. It's not that much. It sounds like a lot, but it's like you're really just like looking and making sure that everything's like fine. Sure. My God, Um, we're pros at it by now. We don't even like look or talk to each other. We're just like, boom, we know exactly. Exactly. Um, Yeah, Zalia likes to help and all that. So sometimes she's helping do the dishes on the inside or she's helping like put things away on the outside and or yeah, sometimes so. dragging everything back out yeah or doing away. the opposite yeah. sometimes she's not helpful at all <laughs> yeah so yeah there was there's a photo on your instagram that i was looking at of kind of the kitchen of the bus it looks like you hit an earthquake and just oh, like yeah. all the <laughs> jars of food everything <laughs> just like broke in on the floor yep. what, what happened there oh man there was, we were at the gutting event done in near Alamos in Colorado, stellar event. But, you know, o- over time with as many people going back and forth on the road, it developed these extremely large divots. And so getting out of there was super dicey, especially for like a large bus like ours. And so 
Well, you forget to mention that there was the divots and then there was what they call moon dust. So it's like super fine sand that was just like coating the entire ground. So it didn't even look like there was divots and also means that like you cannot stop. Otherwise you will get stuck. And like a lot of people had got stuck on the like road going in and out. So the big divots in the sand was just like kind of, yeah, that was a tricky, a tricky combination of problems there. So I did my best, but, and we got out in one piece. Yeah. But through all of that, like jostling and turning our shelf the that holds shelf. all of our like honey mason jars. and rice yeah. and dried beans and like Ooh. seeds and stuff that we <sighs> use. Just like, yeah, it completely ripped off <laughs> and just all the, the jars just came tumbling down <laughs> yeah. all over the place. It was intense. But I mean, other than that, though, we came out on skates. So we, yeah. did, we did okay yeah. given the, the state of that road. That's lucky. I'm I'm glad to hear that you made it out yeah. with just yeah. just with that, you know, not like a mechanical problem, flat tire, like oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Um so I also read uh Justin that you are a beekeeper. Is that your business that you kind of manage from the road? Yeah, that's it. We've got a business back in North Carolina and um we install and maintain beehives right in people's backyards. I mean, beekeeping for me has been something I've been passionate about ever since college when I took my first class. Uh-huh. After I graduated, I joined on doing some research, some of the challenges that bees are facing. And I've worked for nonprofits and for profits. And I eventually just started my own thing where, you know, we get to install these hives right in people's backyards and use them as like a living laboratory or a teaching tool where some people want to learn how to become a beekeeper. Some people just want us to maintain the hive and join in on the inspection so they can learn more. Yeah. But ultimately, we're just trying to like share the magic and art of beekeeping so that people can develop an appreciation and also become pollinator advocates in the community. And so for me, it's a lot, a lot of fun. And it's something that I get to do that I'm passionate about. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. We've, uh, it's more my wife's thing, but we've kept bees a, a few seasons here in Vermont. Um, we don't currently have anywhere to have bees, so we don't have bees at the moment. Um, but it's, it's challenging and, and rewarding also. Yeah. I mean, and we tell a lot of people too, that are like looking to get into beekeeping too, how challenging it really is. It's one of the most beautiful hobbies you can ever do, but man, I can't tell you year after year, how many times I find myself just banging my head on the table, trying to yeah. figure out how we keep more bees alive. But yeah, they're facing a lot of challenges these days. So it's, it's tough, man. Yeah. Yeah. We've not had that much success, like having hives last through the winter. Mm. And it's tough when you only have like one or two hives. But I would say a low point for me was one time we rolled up at the tiny house, which is where the bees were. And even though we had like ratchet strapped the whole hive down to the stand, there are like, there are a lot of bears up here and we did have an electric fence, but uh, some animal got through the fence and knocked the whole hive over, but it was still together. (laughs) And like my wife started to pick it up and I was like, no, 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 we need to put on our bee suits. And we did. And it was like, the bees were really angry, you know, just like lifting up the hive. And it's just like, there are some scary moments there when you hear the like pitch of the buzzing change, it gets like more intense and you're like, uh, they're really angry right now. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I couldn't even imagine, you know, we're, we don't have too much of a bear issues where we yeah. keep bees. And also like your climate is, the winters are way oh, more intense. Yeah. They're long. So I talk about particular challenges with things like Barilla mite, but yeah, man, for you guys, it's even harder um, that far up north too. Yeah. Yeah. My understanding is that like, well, our bees usually made it into like March, even sometimes April. And that would be the time where it'd be really hard for them because it's the end of winter, but there's still, there still could be snow on the ground. There's no, there's nothing for them to, to collect at that point. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's when, you know, a big risk of like starvation happens right before spring. That's then too. I mean, and that's kind of what we're here for with our base in North Carolina, Raleigh, Durham and Chapel Hill. It's just like to be able to be there to offer help and guidance and assistance and just show people some of the practices that we use that yeah. can help get their hives through the winter um, and through the season. And what's the name of that business? Yeah. So it's called Buddha B. Apiary. Cool. And um, you can find, we've got a website and an Instagram and Facebook and you can look us up and give us a shout. Nice. But yeah, really, we have a team of, we have two more people on the ground in North Carolina really, really mm-hmm. proud of the work that they're doing. And I'm excited for what we've got on the docket for next year. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, and another thing that I wanted to ask you about, um, is eating plant-based on the road. I, I also eat plant-based and I can imagine that it, it could be hard when you're traveling to, to maintain that, you know, if you're, if you're getting hungry, you don't feel like cooking, it can be so tempting to just like stop and get a slice of pizza somewhere. <laughs> any any tips or thoughts on on eating plant-based from the road i mean for us i guess plant-based still includes pizza but like not very often you know we yeah. try not to go that route but we definitely need our first pizza. <laughs> i mean yeah i will i guilty also i love for pizza. sure <laughs> yeah um but like normally we cook in kind of big batches and that way we have leftovers and that mm-hmm. way it's just okay let's just heat something up in the skillet and then we're ready to go and have a meal that way mm-hmm. yeah we try to kind of keep to a certain type of budget that we work with which just allows us to eat out maybe like once or twice a week so like we don't just you know swing by the pizza spot unless it's the end of the week or if it's been mm-hmm. a really long travel day yeah, it just sort of depends also like on mental states. Like sometimes for us, it makes more sense to eat out, but we'll choose healthier choices. Um, yeah. And get, I normally get like salad type stuff and you like to get rice bowls and whatnot. And yeah. So I think another thing too is we were lucky enough to have like an apartment size fridge, 9.9 yeah. cubic foot in our bus. Okay. And so for us, we had the space for us to be able to stock up. Mm-hmm. And um, it was also helpful going into the grocery store with the right mentality. So, you know, trying to stay away from a lot of those snacky things that aren't so great for you. Yep. And trying to fill the fridge full of fresh fruits and vegetables when you came to a place where you could access that too at a decent grocery store or farmer's mm-hmm. market. Yeah. So keeping that stuff stocked. And taking every opportunity yeah. that you can when you come across and have access to it to stock it up. Because like you said, when you're in the middle of nowhere, it can be kind of a pain to find a grocery store, find good quality ingredients, things like that. So, Yeah. Yeah. And so while you're driving, is the fridge just off and you just it just stays closed and kind of stays cold? Um, it's actually on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. We, we upgraded the solar system. So now that we're able to keep it on. 
whenever we're driving too. And so that's awesome. It's we haven't gone through a winter with the new solar system yet. So obviously the winter, the sun's lower in the sky. So I'm not sure how it does in the winter yet. But during the summer, spring, summer, and fall, we've got enough energy to supply the um, refrigerator, which also is another like big luxury that helps us to be able to like maintain and keep a lot of food in. Totally. And and so you've um you you sell your you have a product which is a cookbook. Um, how did you decide to do a cookbook and, and how, you know, like, are these recipes that you've all developed while on the road or are they things that you were cooking before? Like, tell me about the cookbook. Yeah. So for the longest time I'd wanted to make a cookbook, I was raw vegan, um, when I graduated from college way back when, and started just like taking more pictures of food and writing down recipes and people were curious. I think it was like trendy at that time to kind of explore that type of eating. And Uh so people were curious about like what I was eating and how I was making certain things taste the way I was like making raw lasagna with like zucchini, but still making like a tomato sauce and stuff like that. Uh So yeah, I started like kind of taking pictures and documenting a little bit more of that. And honestly, nothing came of that for however many years, like seven years, eight years. Uh-huh. Sort of. So that was just a, a seed that had been in the back of my mind for the longest time. And we all love cooking at the house. And on our YouTube channel, we had shared a lot of like us cooking at the house and eating certain types of foods. And a lot of people were always asking us like, what were the recipes? And so eventually, I guess it just kind of came about that when COVID was a thing and we were homebodies, we had more time to like really get into cooking and yeah, make a lot of the recipes that we had made always at the house, as well as like explore making new ones, take pictures and actually write them out. Because I think we just sort of eyeball and make it taste the way we like. So actually sitting down yeah. to measure out all the ingredients and stuff was a big project, but that sort of slowly came about. And then... I guess, was it just at the beginning of this year that we launched it? I feel like it was forever ago. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, we finally put a book together. We had a graphic designer reach out to us and she wanted to help make a cookbook. It had been like a dream of hers to do a project like that. So that kind of all came about really, really well. And yeah, I don't know. What was the other question? You had like multiple questions in that question. Well, I would say too, I'm just really, really proud. This was primarily Juby leading the way on this project. And I was just really, really proud to see the end result and what she was able to come up with. Not to mention how much fun it was making these recipes. We made loads of terrible recipes. We still ate them though. We still ate them. (laughs) And we made loads more of even better recipes. And what came out? of it all it was i think it was a bigger project than either of us Mm and intended for it to be when we first dreamed it up but at the end of the day it was really really fun to be able to share that with people and to even like brainstorm on like version two or version three potentially in the future nice yeah um what would you say is your favorite kind of go-to recipe like the recipe that like when you don't have that much time, it's the one that you can cook without thinking about it. And like, you always have the ingredients. Well, egg and cheese. Yeah, egg and cheese. Um, Avocado. And then like, you doctor it out with some, all kinds of veggie stuff. Mushrooms. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good one. You said it doesn't take much time. I immediately went to like the fish tacos or actually the veggie tacos and the ramen, but that takes forever. Yeah. Okay. 
I was thinking about mine too. The um, mac and cheese is always a good one just to have at the house, but you have to have like a blender and then you've got to roast or I guess you can saute it, but the yeah. butternut squash. Yeah. The popsicles are pretty fast. I mean, you got to wait for those to freeze. Oh, yeah, you can eat them. <laughs> 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 <You> drink them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the smoothies are always like an easy go-to. Yeah. Like we yeah. always have in the freezer. And like, those are always quick and easy and, sure. you know, everybody enjoys a good smoothie. You know what? Nice. The ramen. I just got to go with the ramen. It's going to take favorite. you years, but it's <laughs> so worth it. It's so good. Okay. Yeah. Excited. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, I'm going to pick up a copy of the cookbook. Cool. <laughs> and I, I can't remember where I saw, but you, you have a coloring book coming out soon. Yeah, I'm working on this winter, like um, a sort of like a meditational journal, like workbook. I, I again have <laughs> these drawings that I made from forever ago that I never put to good use. And I, well, I'd use them for like screen prints and stuff for my old business on t-shirts and whatnot, but I had just never really done anything with them. And so for the longest time, I've had also this coloring book kind of idea in my head. And I struggled a lot with depression and sadness and sort of like a loss of my way and whatnot. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to put together like certain affirmations, intentions, and positive kind of journal work book, like activities incorporated into the book. So it's sort of mm -hmm. going to be, yeah, like a, a way for you to sit down and kind of encourage you to journal more and just sit with yourself and kind of be present. And coloring has like a good aspect of being more mindful of in the moment as well as like stimulating your creativity and your brain and whatnot. So all of that kind of comes into play. So yeah, I'm hoping to have that ready for spring of next year, same sort of timeline as the cookbook, because it's nice to have a project to do over winter. Yeah. So yeah, we're working with the same graphic designer to kind of put that together and hopefully have that ready for sometime next year. And obviously since it's a coloring book, it'll just be whole copy. And then maybe eventually like PDF downloads of the individual coloring pages. But um, for now, yeah, it's just going to be the coloring book. Awesome. That sounds cool. Yeah. Well, one thing that I like to ask all my guests is, you know, what are two or three resources that have helped you along the way that you'd like to share with our listeners? These could be books that inspired you, uh, YouTube channels that helped you with the bus build, really anything. <laughs> um there's so many yeah i feel like um we're also i'm really bad at remembering like specific names off by heart i know that we have a huge library that we have a lot of the books on our amazon affiliate store that are okay. some of our favorite books that we love to read to do with like gardening and horticulture as well as like sustainable living tiny house living um and there's a couple of like quirky books on there to do with like alternative living you know that's like in buses and boats and all kinds of different kind of structures that really were inspirational resources for us whenever we were first building the bus out and just kind of trying to figure out what direction we were going to go mm -hmm. I hate that I don't have any of the names for you but there's there's just too many I feel like to choose one in particular yeah in terms of like YouTube channels we, we watched a lot of other like bus, bus life bus. and van life. Yeah. And you could probably name some of the channels that we watch. Yeah. I mean, there's, well, they're not doing bus build projects or anything like that mm. anymore. It's tough. Cause like when we first got into it, I feel like it was a trendy lifestyle, you know? And so there was like a ton of resources that were like people creating in that moment mm -hmm. about builds and van life and stuff. 
but now people are like just sharing more about their travels and living on the road and whatnot. So it's different type of content you see online, but the struggle, the Gus, the struggle bus, Mm -hmm. they have been building their bus for like, I don't even know how long. And they're putting a lot of love into it, which is amazing. So we started kind of building at the same time as them and they're still plugging away at their bus build. So they still have content that's like in the moment um, Mm -hmm. uh, for the build. And Who's that other couple that we used to watch? They're not together anymore. They um, they also don't make their YouTube channel anymore, but we used to watch them. Um, I don't know. I always think of Sailing the Vagabond. Yeah. Those guys are inspirational because they have a, a kid and we can kind of relate a little bit to them and their struggles of traveling and being on, I guess, the water, not the road. But yeah. I, I've also got a book, too, that we read really frequently called Journey to the Heart by Melody Beattie. And that's more so less so much like tiny house related as much as it would be like mentality for us. Like we find ourselves picking it up. It's like on the kitchen table and whatever we're starting the day off, it's nice to do a quick reading there. And it's more so like stories and just like reminders of like how to approach life to remember Mm -hmm. to take it slow, be positive, go easy on yourself, allow yourself to grow. It's those kind of concepts. And for for me and I think for you too. I mean, I think it's something that we really appreciate to keep our mind on track and keep a positive mentality day in and day out. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Thank you. That's that looks like a really nice book. I'm gonna check that out. Totally do it. Well, Justin and Juvie, thank you so much for being guests on the show today. I really enjoyed kind of delving into your to your life's your lifestyles and uh, it was great to meet you both. Yeah, no doubt. It was good to chat and I guess share more. Yeah, it was a pleasure. We appreciate (laughs) you having us on and uh, letting us share our story. Yeah. Thank you so much to Justin and Juby for being guests on the show today. You can find the show notes, including a complete transcript and links to Justin and Juby's YouTube channel and Instagram and lots of photos at thetinyhouse.net slash 193. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 193. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Walbin, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.